0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to Trinity. We're glad to have you with us this morning. Um, glad to see you in church. This morning, we've got a guest preacher. Um, a lot of you guys know we belong to this family of churches, so some of us go by the name of Trinity. We have an Emmanuel on the east side. And then, um, I don't even know what you call that part of town where are you guys, is it Midtown? English Avenue. English Avenue down there uh, is Redeemer, our sister church. And so... Uh, the Reverend Leon McKenzie, he goes by Pastor Mac there, so you guys can call him Leon or Pastor Mac, whatever works. I like the Pastor Mac, um, is going to bring the word for us this morning. So with no further ado, Leon, would you come? Bring the word, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you. Bless us all. Good morning. Good morning. Sorry. I feel that I look crazy. Thing is poking out here. Praise be unto God. Such a blessing to be worshipped with you guys. As John said, my name is Leon McKenzie. They call me Pastor Mac. Feel free to call me whatever you like. Really just call me one of those two things. But but, it's a blessing to be with you guys. Our church is Redeemer Community Church. We are right smack dab in the middle of town if you've been to the mercedes-benz stadium or the state farm arena you've been right by us you, you drove right by us we're in the english avenue area we started in vine city which is historically where dr king lived and raised his children our church was one block over and now we are in english avenue just right up the street uh it's uh, a lot of historicity there as well it's the place that john lewis uh, held i think his first debate when he was getting into politics and some other famous people in history. So it's a great place. It's a beautiful, beautiful part of town with just a ton of people trying to make it, trying to do what they can to make it. And we exist there just to just be really good neighbors to those people. So praise on unto God for that. We'd love to, uh, I know some, several of you said you might have been there before. The, the lady who met me outside, she looked very Christmassy this morning. She had on so much red. And she said she'd been to Redeemer probably before I'd gotten there. And, and uh, love to see if you ever wanted to visit us praise be unto God today um, the gospel has been read in our hearing I will pray for us and then we'll jump into a sermon this morning is that is that alright with you this morning yeah. all right well let's pray together please friends dear Lord um, I'm so grateful to be here worshiping with brothers and sisters those who are called by your name those who are part of my family Lord, I'm thankful for each and every one of them here. And this morning, Lord, I thank you for being present with us in worship. And I pray that you would continue to be pleased to be present with us in the preaching of your word, Lord, that it would go forth with clarity, with conviction. And, oh, Lord, I pray that you would add to your word your effectual power, that it would accomplish through Holy Spirit exactly what you've sent it forth to accomplish in the hearts and the minds of every person present here this morning. Lord, pray that you'd be with our children, that they would hear the gospel, and you would be at work in their hearts, bringing them to a knowledge, a saving knowledge of you, O Lord. Lord, pray that you'd bless those who couldn't be with us here this morning, those who are watching us at home, Lord God, and I pray that you're working through whatever the circumstance may be, that they can be with us bodily, Lord, soon. But Lord, bless them, be with them right where they are, and be with us, for we do love you, and we thank you. For indeed, you are worthy of all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. amen, and amen. So, brothers and sisters, I, I didn't. I was thinking whether or not I should. I should correct John this morning. He called me the the Rev. Leon McKenzie, but the, the proper title is the Very Reverend Leon McKenzie. So you know. Um, uh, Drew and uh, m- myself, and Drew, the-, the man I pastor with, we operate as co deans of the Southeast region. So we kind of help oversee churches as well. So it's a blessing to be able to actually be at the churches within our deanery. So, and we've been kind of doing a little tour here recently during this COVID tide. But as we take a look at Mark chapter 12 this morning, one of the things I want us to consider is that sometimes when we read the Bible, our understanding of what's going on falls victim to some of our 21st century sensibilities, right? The cultural and religious significance of a scene like this is often lost on us because we fail to ask the very simple question, what's the big deal here? What's the significance of what's happening in this particular story? Because in this particular passage, there is something big happening. There is a big deal here. You see, for just about the entire book of Mark, for 10 of the 11 previous chapters, Jesus has been in steady conflict with the religious establishment of his day. In just about every chapter, he has had some level of conflict with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and or the scribes those respected religious leaders of the day. But our passage this morning is where this conflict is finally squashed. This is where Jesus' opponents realize that they're in over their heads. This is where they find out that it's best that they just stop bothering Jesus. On the heels of Jesus successfully refuting the Sadducees, one of these leaders, and their attempt to trap him or trip him up in his theology, a scribe comes to Jesus and he offers this final challenge or this final question. And in this question, he essentially asks him, what is the summary of all of the law? of all of the Old Testament scriptures, writings, communication from God, the Lord God, Yahweh himself. In other words, Jesus, if you had to choose one law that kind of summed up all that God meant to communicate to us through the prophets and the other spiritual leaders throughout history, what would you say, Jesus? Well, Jesus gives somewhat of a strange answer because he essentially says the greatest commandment are two commandments. And while they may look like two different commandments, they're actually just one because one is dependent on the other. But what he says is, and the first one is not a commandment per se, it is a statement of fact about who God is. In Old Testament literature, it's called the Shema. He says God is one. That's a statement of fact. And then here comes the commandment or the commandments. He says, love him and love your neighbors. What is the summary? What is the the, the all in all of all the commandments, all that God meant to communicate to his people throughout history is this? Love God and love your neighbor. And again, this is only one commandment because one cannot exist without the other. True love for God cannot exist without true love for those who bear his image. And likewise, true love for those who bear his image cannot exist without the one whose image they bear. And that's just a fancy way of saying that we can't love people well without loving God well and vice versa. Or put positively, when we truly love God, then we will love our neighbor. And when you truly love your neighbor, then you're finally loving God. And here's the mic drop moment we've been waiting for in this passage, right? The big moment. This is the moment when Jesus's uh, opponents realize that the game is over, the jig is up, they might as well just pack it up and go home. In verse 32, Then the scribe, the one who came to him and asked him this question, said to him, You are right, teacher. Jesus, you are right. You have truly said that he is one. Besides him, there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one neighbor as oneself. And here's the kicker. Here it is. Here's the big deal. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Do you see what just happened? Do you get what just happened here? This scribe just committed career suicide. (laughs) He just committed career suicide. The scribe's job in this day was to pour over the Old Testament scriptures to find out exactly what Jesus just said. What's the purpose of the offerings, of the the sacrifices, of the ritual cleanings? If you remember back in chapter 7, the scribe challenged Jesus about the ritual cleanings, the washing of hands. What was the scribe's job? To figure this out. This was their job, and part of the reason the religious leaders didn't like Jesus was because he kept telling them, you're doing all of this stuff, and it's not getting you any closer to God. And guess what this scribe just said? Jesus, you're right. Love is better than any amount of religiosity. Love is what God had been getting at all along, and where these religious leaders were missing it was in their assumption that it was their religious practice, that it was in their sacrifices and in their church attendance that 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 was all they needed in order to please God, in order to get on God's good side, but the scribes' admission put that to bed. In no uncertain terms, he affirmed that love is what God desires from his people and what he wanted from them all along. Friends, listen to this. Love, love is the ultimate end of good religion. Love for God and love for your neighbor. If religion, if your church attendance, if your offering, if your good deeds are not resulting in love, then listen to me, it ain't pleasing God. So let's ask ourselves, how much of our religious practices, our church attendance, our liturgy, which you guys have beautiful liturgy here, I really love it, our sermons, our offerings, how much of it is born of and resulting in love for God and sincere love for our neighbor? And this neighbor thing is really important because Jesus told a story, a very important story in scripture where he expelled all doubt about who our neighbor is, right? This story of the Good Samaritan, A neighbor is anyone who needs us. And here's the key to finding a neighbor. Proximity. The key to finding a neighbor is proximity. It's hard to love a neighbor when you're not near them. Good religion encourages proximity to our neighbors. Now, when we talk about need... When I talk about those in need, the neighbors a Good Samaritan, those things, our mind automatically jumps where? Poor folks, right? We jump to poor people. We jump to people who are social outcasts down and out, and it should. I want you to understand that that is the epitome of the incarnation. He who was rich became poor, okay? You can't get away from that, okay? So I, I just want you to understand that that's important. But what about those people who exist in a little bit more proximity to us, right? Think about where you live right now, okay? Do you know the people who live in your neighborhood? Do you know the people who live in your neighborhood? Can you think of a need that any of them have right now? Do you know them well enough to know their needs? Are they going through anything difficult right now? Are you praying for something specific for them in their life right now? Right. Good religion encourages us to get to know those around us, to find out how we can serve them and thereby love them. Amen? Proximity is necessary. It's essential for neighboring. And before I close the sermon this morning, I want to talk about one more thing that the scribe does in committing career suicide in this passage. Yes, he affirms that love is greater than mere religion, right? The mere doing of religious things. Yes, he confirms that love is the end of good religion, but in so doing, he also affirms that Jesus is the end of good religion. That Jesus is is where good religion should point us. Love for God and love for neighbor is greater than all all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices, right? We've gotten that point. And there is no greater love than this, than Jesus laying down his life for his friends. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and that son gave his life. Jesus' cross ended the need for burnt offerings and sacrifices, and Jesus' cross is the ultimate exercise in love. Put simply and put again, Jesus is the end of good religion. Religion should serve as the means to that end. Good religion points us to Jesus. And listen to this, brothers and sisters. If our religion just makes us feel good or better about ourselves, if it just checks the boxes of our good deeds, then hear me when I say that we're doing it wrong. If coming to church on Sunday is just about making us feel a little better about ourselves, then we're doing it wrong. Our religion should remind us of how good Jesus is, despite the fact that we don't deserve his goodness. Good religion reminds us that all of this is about Jesus and his goodness and never about our own. And brothers and sisters, love is the end of good religion. And good religion, whatever we're doing about here, whatever we're doing in here, right? The point is to point us to the goodness of Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Please pray with me. friends. Dear Lord, again, I thank you for the opportunity to worship with my brothers and sisters. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless your word in our hearts and it would accomplish again exactly what you've sent it to accomplish. Lord, I pray that you would correct our perspectives about the good things we do. And Lord God, we would understand that it's about glorifying your goodness, about us being pointed and us pointing other people to who you are. And Lord, I pray for your grace that we might do that all the more and all the more well. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.